0: Alright, let's see what we have. Here. Stream health should be good. So with that being said, welcome everyone. My name is Luke Thomas and I've been drinking. Um, this is my UFC 232 post-fight special. If you don't want spoilers, now is the time to get out of them. All right, Luke Thomas here on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining me. As I mentioned before, this is my UFC 232 post-fight special. I appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, please give the video a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel below. Uh, I always appreciate that when you do. As you can see below, if you want to get a question answered, you can donate in the super chat. And if you just want to uh, follow me on Instagram, you can do that at uh, Luke Thomas News right there on Instagram. I uh, appreciate any kind of patronage as such. Uh, I haven't mentioned it before because my shoulders has been so fucked up and I've been out of the gym for a while, but um, I'm on the mend. Uh, this video is brought to you by the Beta Academy in Washington, D.C. It's at the corner of 14th Avenue, Northwest, and Florida. If you're there and you want to get some good training in, tell them Luke Thomas sent you. They'll always uh, be appreciative of that. If you want more information, there's a link in the description box below. There is also a merchandise link uh, in the description box below. any of my stuff that you want to buy by the way new stuff coming in 2019 and I will say this at the end of this video I've got um, announcements a bit of a strong word but um certainly some things I would like to get off my chest independent of whatever happened uh, here tonight yes okay well if you don't want spoilers I'm assuming you're gone by now otherwise let us get into them this evening UFC 232 Jesus Christ, what an event this was, huh? I had so much fun watching this. I hope you guys did too, man. There is nothing in this world like high-level... I I tweeted this too. Like high-level, high-stakes MMA. It's so fun. It's so nerve-wracking. It's so surprising and shocking and horrifying. And and sometimes you hate it and you get mad at the results and you don't like it. but, But that's the complex relationship that we have to the sport that makes it so worthwhile, right? So um phenomenal. Uh phenomenal event. Uh, some slow points here or there which we'll get to, but all right, let's talk about the main event. Let me just let me just put this out here. Everybody believes that I am and, and they have believed this for a while that I am unnecessarily kind towards John Jones. And it's weird, right? Because they want me to be mean to him after he was mean to me at a press conference but that's not my job my job is to call it like I see it not as I'd like to be on a schoolyard and so people constantly push back and they're like oh well he was mean to you at a press conference you know if somebody if you are in media and if somebody's mean to you at a press conference and you change the way you cover them to get back at them for it it's sucker shit okay um others might do it I just can't bring myself to do it and at some point you just have to kind of be an adult and move on about it so let's get to these results john jones defeats alexander gustafson via tko let me put this on this side because my neck is fucking hurting um here we are john jones defeats alexander gustafson at 202 of the third round in this fight what do we want to say about this there's a lot of things we could say um where to start okay okay if you watched, and if you go into the community tab on this YouTube channel, you can see it, or you can go to MMA Fighting's YouTube channel. As you know, I'm the host of the MMA Hour, host of the MMA Beat, as well as the Luke Thomas Show on XM. By the way, there's a link to the description box below if you'd like to try XM for 30 days. You may. But the point is this: What was the? If you watched the Monday morning analyst that I did on, um, that came out on Christmas Eve, I had actually recorded it the Thursday before, and then all the drug testing shit hit, and I was like, oh, "Fuck!" But whatever. When that came out, what did you know? What did you take from that? I hope I don't present that uh, to you as the authoritative finding, or the only finding, or even the best finding. But I did think that I found a couple of things that were worth observing namely that there was this high degree of variance that John shows. If he throws a punch from the right side, he throws a kick from the other side. And then not merely what he's throwing to on your body, but then top to bottom what he's throwing on his body. If he throws a punch, then he throws a kick. If he goes left, then he goes right. If he goes up, then he goes down. He is constantly varying it. Not a whole lot of combination striking. Um, should be noted as that as well. No combination striking, but high variance. That was one key point that I had noted. The other one was adaptability two ways. What was just utterly remarkable about this fight is the ways in which it mirrored the Cormier rematch. What do I mean by that? If you go back to the adaptability two ways, it meant in a fight, to the extent that it goes long, he takes things from you. There are moments where people have success, but the general arc is that he slowly pulls pieces of your game away from you. The second part is that between fights, he takes whatever was working in the first, brings it back, and then adds a whole other element of um, offense that you have to deal with, that, that you know opponents have shown a pretty strong degree of difficulty dealing with. That is exactly what happened here. Now, there were some differences in the first fight Gustafson pursued. Uh, excuse me. In the first fight, Gustafson was pursued. In this fight, he did the pursuing. So there was the switch of the relationship there. That was big. That's a really big difference, to be quite candid with you. That's one. One of the other ones that was uh, the same as the Cormier fight, though, was, again, you go back and watch the Monday Morning Analyst. I feel very proud about that. Look at the num I I haven't seen them, and I guarantee you it's better. Look at the numeric totals from the first Cormier fight in terms of what John landed and threw, and then look at them in the second fight. They were higher. They were much higher in the second fight. So not only was he doing some of the things that worked and then avoiding some of the things that didn't work, he was much more active. That is exactly what you saw here tonight. Gustafson had a hard time getting comfortable. That could be for a lot of reasons. One, could be John's movement. Two, it could be those teep kicks you saw. Three, it could be whenever they tied up, he was getting hit and he didn't know exactly how to react to it. He did a pretty good job, you saw, leaving the clinch, eventually getting up and then breaking away, right? He was he was really good about that. Um, so that was an adjustment, a good one, that Gustafson made. But the point being is he takes everything he learned in that first fight and then brings all of that into the second fight, plus adds another layer of dynamism that's hard to deal with. I made this point on Twitter, and folks are going to hate it. Here is what people think, and I don't know what you think. Do you think he used? I'm not here to talk you out of it. Do you think he didn't use? I'm not here to talk you into that position. I don't really... I don't really care at this point, to be quite candid with you, it just is what it's going to be. But here's what I can say. Um, People think that, let's assume you think he's a steroid user, yeah? People think that if you're a steroid user, it must be because you're covering for some deficiency. Now, we're all imperfect, so by definition, if you're taking something, you're going to improve on something that wouldn't ordinarily be as good, but that's not what I mean. They mean like some kind of real physical flaw, some kind of mental weakness, and that the steroids are being used to cover for that. But the reality is, while that's sometimes and often quite true, actually, it's not universally true. There are athletes, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, who, even without that kind of stuff, were very, very competitive with the best of their generation. But they also decided to take that to do record-setting shit. Probably because in that time, you know, Sammy Sosa was out there too. They thought it was like a juicing arms race. You know, they didn't know what to do. So uh, the point being is, even if you think he's guilty, to to walk into this assumption with this idea that, oh, he's taking that because ordinarily he just suck ass, uh, but for that stuff. And I have really terrible news for you. There is just overwhelming, and I'm sorry, I'm going to use these words, I cannot come on here and tell you things that you would, would just delight you to hear. I have to come on here and just tell you the truth. There is just overwhelming evidence of extraordinarily fight, uh, high fight IQ with him. Now folks have made the point, well look, if you have good cardio um, that will enable better decision-making, that's true. Um, but number one, he has a very uh, economical style. Did you notice him doing like a high degree of output? Um, I didn't necessarily. So that's number one. Remember, he doesn't throw a lot of combinations. It's single-shotting, high-variance, right? That's what he's doing. Number two, you're still agreeing with the idea that his decision-making is high-level. Now, that he can bring that to bear, maybe more easily aided by performance enhancing drugs, if that's what you really want to think, okay. But remember the word that I used, overwhelming. From the first round to the second round, and again, the third round, I don't really consider it to be like a super... All, given the way that this fight went down, I don't consider that an enormous stress test. Now, the fourth and the fifth of the first one, that's a totally different scenario. But this one, was he really being physically pushed? No. You just kind of have to accept it. You can still think that you saw a cover for him. You can still think whatever you want to think about Jeff Nowitzki. You can still think whatever you want to think about whatever you want to think. Here's the only thing you have to accept. He has super, John Jones, super, super, super high-level fight IQ. It's not really up for debate. It's just not. It's, I'm sorry it's not. The shit he is doing to his peers in terms of the way he thinks through problems, if you know what you're looking at, it's not debatable. That doesn't mean he can't be beat. That doesn't mean that if someone points out, oh, when he gets super tired, well, he wouldn't get tired because he has the stuff that helps him out. I'm not sure how ball would help with your cardio to be quite candid with you. That would only add, add lean muscle mass. Uh, but whatever, whatever the theory is, um, there's just too much evidence that what happens up here with him is, is ridiculously strong. Um, I don't know what else to tell you. It just is. Now, folks, have all, I, I, encounter this bullshit argument every time. Oh, Luke, you're just trying to get an interview with him. I do not have his direct number with many fighters. I do have their direct number. I do not have his typically for anybody who works. Well, that's not quite true, but if I were to book John, I would book him through Malky Kawa. I encourage you to tweet Malky Kawa. I encourage you to tweet um, Abraham or Ibrahim Kawa and ask them if I have one time, asked them for an interview. I do not give a fuck. I, I'm not a guy who builds my career around the idea that I have to talk to all the fighters. I have talked to some of them, but not all of them, and some will just go by the wayside, and that's just life, right? I'd rather just have the ability to say what I think, and if people get mad about it, which he did, then they get mad about it. I don't... I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'd to me what matters is this connection i have with you that i can come on this microphone and say what it is i think not that i can come on this microphone and tailor my opinion to make sure that i can get all the best interviews the next day that's not i'm not that's fine for other people it's not fine for me so to me it's the cost of doing business and i've said it before and i'll say it again i'm just trying to come to you from an honest position I'm trying to come to you from a position of, please understand, I'm, I am making these arguments. Whether you agree with me or you don't agree with me, I am making these arguments to you in good faith. My job, when I open this YouTube channel and when I start these videos, is to tell you what I think. And I might be right and I might be wrong, but I am candid. And here is just the fucking honest truth, y'all. That dude, John Jones, might be the smartest fighter in the game. And if he's not, motherfucker, he is top three bare minimum. sorry the evidence is clear at this point i don't know what else to tell you man if you like them cheer it if you hate it boo it but it's just it just is what it is now as for the fight itself as i mentioned i kind of went through some of the contours of it the changing nature of the relationship between who was pursuing and who was who was uh retreating was interesting The takedown was kind of interesting, too. Did you notice what he said about Gustafson? The fact that if he gets up really fast, he's a hard guy to deal with. But if you can keep him down, he doesn't necessarily have that second or third gear of a guard, necessarily. Or um, uh, another way to find uh, uh, a position to move to his feet. Like, he's got this first burst, so to speak. This first real effort to get to his feet. And if that fails, there's not necessarily a lot of um, effort behind it. Or or however you want to describe it. It's just smart scouting. Now, whether that was him or Greg Jackson or whoever, it was just really smart. Or maybe Izzy Martinez. Izzy Martinez is a really good coach, by the way. It's just smart scouting. Uh, John Jones' ground and pound is really good. Have you noticed how his punch is... Have you noticed how some people, when they punch standing, the punch kind of looks sort of how it looks when they're on the ground? And his don't his look like they whip and then dig. He's got ferocious grounding pound, man. Like he's got really good ground and pound, and and um, doing a big guy like that gets on top of you, it's just hard to get up. You know, it's just really really hard. And shit, man. Well, let me go back and look at this really quickly. So this one ended in the third round at two o two. The last Cormier fight at UFC two fourteen uh, ended in the third round at three o one. Right? Those first two fights went five rounds, and the second time out, they basically landed, they basically ended within, they went two and a half rounds each, more or less, give or take, right? A little bit give and a little bit take, um, with Cormier going to three and then Gustafson going to two. He can take the fight and shorten it in half the second time. This is just sort of what I'm talking about. And it's not like those guys didn't prepare. It's not like those guys don't know what to do. It's not like those guys are coming in here flying blind. They know exactly what they're dealing with there was a moment in time where um jones like he's like oh i partied all this time and how true it was i don't know i heard for the matyushenko fight he was completely fucked up even days before it um of course he still just ran through matyushenko so that probably there probably was some truth to the Gustafson fight i had heard it was not a great camp um and i'm not and you're like oh you're saying luca jones can't be beat it's not what i'm saying uh, at heavyweight, a Cain Velasquez-style fight to me is highly intriguing. A guy who can get in there, close the distance, fire an underhook, keep you against the fence, and just fucking maul you, like that to me is incredibly intriguing. I would like to see how that plays out. That's a different test. It's a different physicality bearing down on him. But my point about this is what was the number one fucking thing that I mentioned on the Monday Morning Analyst? It was what is what? how do you beat this guy? You have to take away his adaptability. If you don't take that away, it is hopeless for you. And he had all the time in the world to make reads at distance, even if he was backing up, to if you were coming in close, he was able to land. He can play with range and rhythm. That was number three on the list. But if he has time and space and motion and distance in order to be able to make reads and make adjustments, dude, who the fuck is going to beat that guy? At least the light heavyweight. At heavyweight, perhaps it's a different matter. Perhaps the physicality bearing down on him will actually show up and make, and make a difference. Um, I, I don't know. But at light heavyweight, you can, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like You can love the guy. You can hate the guy, man. The facts just are what they are. Um, yeah. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with a guy that doesn't f- follow a pattern with striking, that can stop a takedown, that can start a takedown, that has good footwork, that is well-coached, that you might believe is chemically enhanced? Um um has the best fight IQ, certainly of any light heavyweight I've ever seen, maybe of any MMA fighter I've ever seen, that window where you could take advantage of his technical immaturity. now again, no fighter is perfect. you can still beat him if you have the right answer, but where you're just developing your skill sets, that window is closed. The window is closed. Um, that you if you're gonna beat him it has to be a different way where you take advantage of some uh, unknown skill differential or the weight, the, the, the physicality bearing uh, down on him makes a difference. That, that's how you beat him. But if he has time and he had five rounds of data on you and then he's got five years to get better, ha, I don't know what to tell you, man. He's just too good. That's just kind of how it is. He's an incredible talent. He's the light heavyweight champion. He called out Daniel Cormier. Now, here's my question about this, just to back up a step. Didn't the UFC <laughs> promote something where they were showing like a Canadian thing inside of a UFC belt and then like a U.S. flag thing inside of a UFC belt and then say twelve twenty nine ninety eight? 29 98 And we all thought, oh, they're going to redesign their belts. And perhaps they still are. I'm not on Twitter. I don't know exactly what folks are saying. But I didn't see any of that shit. They just put the same old normal belt on him uh which was kind of weird i thought anyway um that's kind of bizarre oh here we go ufc 232 gate in attendance uh 15,862 sold out wow they did a two million dollar (sighs) gate man Mm. here's one point let me i'll get back to gustafson here in a second here is one point about the UFC's ability to, uh, like, what's one of the strengths of the UFC machine that they're so nimble that when fighters fall out on a card, they can just move everybody up and, 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 and you know, for example, you take the, the Habib Iaquinta situation at UFC 223. They can just shuffle shit around, put it back out there and still do pretty well. Because the machine is so nimble from the PR to the technical direction to the production staff to the ability to move product um, both digitally and quite literally to, to get cages in places they need to be and how to manage relationships with athletic commissions. Like, it's a super nimble machine. It's almost nimble to the point where it's like a bad thing for fans because it's good that this fight happened tonight, I guess, or at least the event happened anyway. But they're so nimble they can just up and move a card and an event to a different state uh crazy crazy in any event what do you do with Gustafson I I can't tell you the guy has uh, made time for me which I really appreciate um but again we got to call balls and strikes don't we that hard to say if that's it for him for title shots because you never really know in the UFC but it is pretty clear that um He just can't make a claim to be the best of his generation, probably not even number two, right? Cormier at a bare minimum is number two, and we'll see how a third fight goes if they make one between Jones and Cormier. But Gustafson was the guy who could rise to the occasion, who could give the best fighters in the world a real run for their money, a guy who cared about his craft, a guy who represented Europe. Um, But when he had these big moments where he had to really go and cross that finish line, just kind of came up short. It's not to say he didn't have great moments, not to say he didn't have great skill, not to say that even if you thought he won the first Jones fight, again, I thought that fight could have gone either way, to be quite candid with you. Um, but, you know, at some point, you're competing for the same spot against two, you know, one guy who was a one of the best wrestlers to ever cross over into MMA, and then another guy in Jones who's a generational talent. Um, it just is going to be what it's going to be. So... I feel terrible for Gustafson. He's been a nice guy. He's been a dedicated steward. I don't think his career is over by any stretch. That's not what I'm saying. But at some point, your your reputation gets baked in when you're competing for the exact same slot in the exact same division. And he just grew up at a time when, you know, you got Cormier and Jones in your fucking division. Like, what are you going to do about that? That is, <laughs> that's a hard place to be, man. That's a hard place to be. Um but I just think the evidence between the first and second Cormier fights and then the first and second Gustavson fights, th- how similar, not they looked in the, as in the, the Cormier and the Gustafson fight the second one, looked the same. Um, here we go. Here we are. Um, they didn't look the same, but what they looked was that the same patterns emerged, higher frequency of uh, attack, adaptability two ways, playing with range and rhythm. Uh, And the added wrinkle this time was then, of course, John finished him on the the ground. I didn't see that coming. That was different. That was certainly different. Wow. What do you say about that? Man. And I know some of you are going to be super fucking bitter. And you're going to say Jones is a fucking cheater. And I'm not, again, I'm not here to talk you out of it, man. But like Y'all watch Bellator, which has commission testing. And I don't hear a lot of bitching. Eddie Alvarez was out there being like, there should be zero in a system. It's like, I have so much respect for Eddie. He's one of the great warriors of our time. Truly, I mean that. But he's going to go and fight guys who are almost assuredly going to be on something. And maybe that's a risk he's willing to take, and that's fine. If he's going to get paid for it, that's cool too. Here's what I'm trying to point out to you. It just kind of is what it is. If you believe that he did that and believes that he... Um, uh. Why are people just fucking. Jesus Christ. Please stop. Forever. All right. If you believe um, that he did those things, that's fine. But, like, I don't know what to tell you. We just have to evaluate what we look at. And um, if you want to make a claim about cardio, that's fine. If you want to make a claim about strength, that's fine. Um, You want to make a claim about any number of different ways in which uh performance dancing drugs could benefit him that's fine in fact here's the one thing did you guys see that one video i tweeted it earlier it was uh from some guy named ben something he's a uh, i think an organic chemist i think he is a um uh, what's his name he is uh, what was his name uh, kevin ba- what am i saying kevin bass he had a video out there saying it wouldn't be possible for john to in this particular case test positive um or have have been using because his argument, in a long story short, is hold on though. There's a there's a second wrinkle to the story. His argument is that well, when they test you at all these different intervals from August to December, they don't test for just one metabolite; they test you for all of them over 20, and it was only the M3 showing up. And his basic argument is it's not possible in these windows, absent a conspiracy to make that happen. His suggestion was, and I think he's again an organic chemist. Was that it was from the clomiphene that he had taken previously. Okay. And again, an arbitration panel had ruled that that clomiphene had come from sort you of know, reckless use of gas station dick pills. But some of you, quite understandably, don't buy that. I'm not asking you to buy John's argument or anybody else's. To me, it's like, well, maybe if the best case you could say if the Kevin Bass video is true is that all the arguments about the new ingestion aren't true. It doesn't say anything about the old ones, right? And the level of skepticism that is. Um, Required there. So again, I'm not here to talk you out about any of your worldviews about this. I'm just trying to make a point about what the tape shows, and when I say what the tape shows, what I mean is even taking into account some of these other considerations that could be in play about how potentially performance-enhancing drug use could aid performance. Barry Bonds had some of the hitting mechanics, for example, prior to any. You know, burst of uh, uh, treatment from Victor Conte or whatever to show that he was a superb hitter, right? He, he, you could look at the tape and be like, that fucker knows how to hit. Same with Martin McGuire. Same with any of those guys. They weren't getting by because they had bad technique. They had good technique, and then they were aided by everything else. What I'm trying to make a point to you is fight IQ. Whatever else you want to say about John, I'm sorry, you have to come to some degree of just accepting it. You want to think that the world is full of bad guys who win? Then think that. You want to think the world is full of good guys who get fucked up? Whatever worldview you want to come to, to make that something you can go to bed with tonight, I, I leave up to you. I can only tell you what the truth is. And the truth is, that dude's fight IQ is ridiculous. We'll see what happens going forward. He might get hemmed up again. I make no claims about that. I'm just trying to tell you, that is one of the smartest fighters I have ever seen. And the evidence of that, all other factors in consideration is overwhelming second on the card now that we're going to move down it here a little bit over here man what do you say about this one amanda nunez holy s balls defeating chris cyborg at 51 seconds of the first round Via KO punch have had her go face forward. Referees have told me if someone falls face forward, that to them is worse than them falling backward. And they had Cyborg going face first to the canvas. Uh, she, Amanda Nunes, 30 years old, jumps up from 135, goes to 145. Listen to her resume, Amanda Nunes. She KO'd Chris Cyborg. She, she TKO'd Raquel Pennington. She has beaten Valentina Shevchenko, albeit by the skin of her teeth the second time, twice. She retired Ronda Rousey, she retired Misha Tate, she submitted Sarah McMahon, she TKO'd Shayna Baszler, she TKO'd Jermaine Durandamy, and she KO'd Julia Budd, the Bellator women's 145 pound champ. Yo, that is the best women's fighter, certainly the most accomplished women's fighter of all time. It's not even close. That is an insane resume. Let me tell you something that's kind of interesting that happens when you get in this business. One thing I like to do is I like to go to media day when I go to these events and I like to look around and I like to see what, which, which coaches are there. Cause sometimes the fighters come by themselves. Um, sometimes they come with girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, but a lot of times they come with their coaches or like the guys who hold their mitts or like their right hand man or something. Like for example, um, Chris Weidman will commonly come with uh, John Volante. So something like that. And, um, and I always love talking to coaches at these events because that's when the fighter is dialed in. It's also when the coach is dialed in and it's just kind of fun to talk to him at that time. But it's also a time when you have to be very careful because you get a lot of hyperbole. Yeah. You get a lot of guys being like, Oh my God, his cardio is ridiculous. You wait and see, you wait and see. And sometimes they're totally right, but it's like 50, 50, right? Like half the coaches tell you crazy stuff and you're like, okay, whatever. And then they're, they're right. And then the half is like, they tell you crazy stuff. And then sure enough, it made no sense at all. Um, and you understand that you understand that the, the guys would like really believe in their own fighter, but Dean Thomas told me something, God, this is long before this fight was announced. I think it was, I want to say before the second Shevchenko fight, something like that. Right after right. I think it was right either. no, you know what? I think it was before the Rousey fight. So Dean Thomas told me, he's like, dude, I'm telling you, I know every, everybody who coaches a woman's fighter is going to tell you this, but I'm telling you. She spars with dudes because we just can't find women who can take her punches. And even some of those dudes don't like it, although obviously they can, you know, handle it in the end. But yeah. They uh, he was like, dude, I'm telling you. And that's not necessarily uncommon. You, like in a gym, people are just gonna spar with other people. But what he was talking about was in a fight camp where you're excluding all the riffraff, or not just you know, you're not just showing up and taking whatever classes at six thirty and you know, oh advanced students. No, no, no. You're the people you train with are highly selected. And weeded out and they're there for a specific purpose and what he was saying was it's only dudes because they can't they just can't deal I mean maybe Nina will spar with her on a very light basis her her girlfriend Nina Ansaroff is a very talented fighter in her own right but but basically that they have to tamper that shit down and uh you know I I wasn't sure if I believed it Uh, obviously the Misha Tate win was ridiculous then I asked Misha Tate about it more recently and she was like holy fuck I've never been hit by a woman like the way I got hit by Amanda Nunes. And then I was like, man, you know what? There might be something to that. Of course, she retires Ronda Rousey, retires Misha Tate. And then to go in there. And remember, like, you're like, oh, well, Cyborg is, you know, she was a fraud. Cyborg went toe-to-toe, what was it, five rounds of a Muay Thai bout? Or like a, I don't know if it was Muay Thai rules or kickboxing rules, I can't quite remember, with Yorena Bars, who was one of the best in the sport. And Bars absolutely... Molly whopped her dropped her several times but couldn't finish her off and I get the gloves are smaller and then this is a totally different game plan because Cyborg was brawling the point being is Amanda Nunes has a, a totally well-rounded skill set black belt the whole bit but her power must be absurd and the fact that she can keep people Joe Rogan did a great job describing this everyone at the end of her punches and she has this like this 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 whip to them where they come over the top. It's almost like John Jones's ground and pound. That's the way she throws these long lanky punches. So she has a long reach. She makes good use of it. It's accurate. She puts punches together. She hits like a. Basically, none of her peers do, and she has to me the best resume. Even with a couple of you know, look, she lost to Zingano, Sarah Delelio, Alexis Davis, and then somebody by the name of Anna Maria India. All the way back in 2008. Uh, (laughs) You know, do we think she would lose these fights again today? I mean, maybe the Zangano fight at 135 might be competitive, but the rest of those would not be. She would absolutely run through these people. Um, And the fact that she beat Chris Cyborg in under a round and KO'd her is insane. It's insane, man. A caller on my radio show made a great point. They argued uh, every time she's had a big fight, she just never got the rub, you know. So you go back to UFC 200. That was when the whole first John Jones-Cormier thing was going to go, or the second John Jones-Cormier thing was going to go down, and it blew up. And then her fight was made the main event, but really it was the Brock stuff that got... First of all, the controversy took over, and then afterwards it was the Brock controversy. Then at um, UFC 207, Rousey did that whole pouting with the media thing, and she never got the rub on that one. It was totally one-sided promotion. And then this one came about and they had to move the event and it was about the whole USADA drug testing thing again and it was just this nightmare, right? And again, you, the point is not that were it not for that, uh, Amanda Nunes would be the biggest star in MMA. That's not the point. But the point is that pretty clearly her, her opportunities to maximize her exposure, she had these big moments, but they never quite came to fruition for all these external circumstances. Well, hopefully this time that's not the case, Ben, because she becomes the first UFC women's fighter to hold not only a belt in two different weight classes, a la Penn, GSP or Couture, but to do it at the same time, a la McGregor, a la um, whoever else is out there. I can't keep much. Dan Henderson did it in Pride, for example. Um, Phenomenal. What an achievement. What an achievement for somebody who has toiled and worked, who jumped up a weight class and just savaged the champion up there. I feel so happy for her. I feel great to get some clarity in in the women's divisions now. But I got to be honest, if you're the UFC, you're like, oh my God. Uh, Amanda Nunes creates some problems, right? Because she just starts the person you're building a division around at 145. I guess you have the rematch, but what if Amanda does well there? What are you going to do? And then who are they going to put in front of her now? <laughs> who fights Amanda Nunes in either weight class, man? She will yo, she will put knuckles on you. Who Who is that going to be? And I'm sure women might sign up for it. I'm not saying that they can't find a human body or even an interesting one from a salesmanship standpoint, from a, from a competitive standpoint, outside of a second cyborg fight, if she like retools the game plan, because her game plan was terrible. She was just in there brawling. But outside of that, who are they going to put in front of her? You know, She's going to have to get old or lazy for someone to beat her. That That's what it's going to take. She's going to have to get old or lazy. Because as it stands, I just cannot imagine who it could be that they could find to put in front of her. Um, she's just too good. The interesting part was you thought if Cyborg is smart, she'll stick behind the jab, use a lot of footwork, maybe clinch, try to wrestle a little bit, get her tired. Now, Amanda Nunes would have benefited from the bump up in the weight class because she wouldn't have to cut down to 135. She could stay at 145 and you could tell she was a little bit softer as a consequence, uh, understandably. So you thought that would be Cyborg's game plan, but I guess she got hit and was like, fuck it. Let's just throw down, bro. You, you gunsling with Amanda Nunez, it will not go well for you, apparently. And by the way, that just sort of leads you to wonder, like, well, wait a second. You mean to tell me the best person against the 145-pound champ, because that's what Amanda Nunez is now? Is Valentina Shevchenko the 125-pound champ? Because I'll be honest with you, I thought Valentina Shevchenko won that second fight. But she didn't, and, and a lot of people don't think she did either. It was It was close. But who did the best against her? Well, like, whatever your opinion, like who did the best against her? Shevchenko by far. Dude, how good is Valentina Shevchenko? You know, And, and you say, well, uh, is she going to jump up to 135 again? She might. Um, could she go to 145? I, I, I guess, but that would be weird and too much weight and it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Just sort of pointing out to you, like Amanda Nunes is kind of in that sweet spot where she was talented enough and just the right size uh, and, and length to be able to, to maximize that against somebody who was just not quite the right size and length against Valentina Shevchenko, albeit very close, and then was also able to leverage being big enough and strong enough to go up a weight class. Shevchenko is just on the outer end of that. And so um, what are you going to do, man? Golly, crazy, right? Crazy, just who saw that coming? I certainly didn't. I, uh, I, thought, that, I thought it would be very competitive and that Amanda would actually probably rock her. I did think that, but I thought Cyborg would be just kind of diligent. And, you know, cyborgs if she wants to wrestle, she can. If she wants to strike, she can. She's got phenomenal cardio and just go late. Nope. She got touched and said, fuck this, let's throw down. And that did not go well. Uh, that brings her record to 17-4. and four. And, you know, since the loss to Zingano, she has stopped Baszler, stopped McMahon, Defeated Shevchenko, retired Misha, retired Ronda, defeated Shevchenko, stopped Pennington, stopped Cyborg. Show me a better resume on the women's side of the game than that. Don't don't you dare say Megumi Fujii, who has a phenomenal resume, but it ain't that. It ain't that. That is tremendous. And I really hope as a promotional entity, again, I don't expect her to be the world's biggest star tomorrow. It's not what I'm saying. But I would like the first female champ champ to get a little extra shine. Um, she's earned it. Uh, please like the video. Subscribe to the channel. Let's see what the numbers are like. I'm expecting pretty good numbers today. Fotis. Uh Yeah, they're good. They are good. Uh, if you want to ask a question, please donate in the super chat. And of course, um, how do I do this? I keep forgetting because it's a mirror image. Aside, side. Like on Instagram. Instagram. Like uh, Trinidad James said, on Instagram, straight flexing. Do we want to go to the Super Chat questions now, or should I finish the card now? Hmm. Good question, right? I will finish the card now. So someone writes, GSP would not agree that there are no drugs fueling your fight IQ, the speed of decision making process. The speed of the decision making process wouldn't make a difference with the drugs, at least early. If you want to make an argument about how fatigue affects your decision making, sure, that's fine. But here's the point. What I'm trying to make to you is, this is the only thing I'd say about Jones. I'm just, I'm, again, you guys, if you want to live in a state of denial and be angry about this all the time, that is, that is your burden to carry. I'm not telling you he's invincible because nobody is. There are clear ways he can probably be beat. But here is the point I'm trying to make to you. Line up all the top light heavyweights right now in the first round when they're all tired, excuse me when they're all fresh, they're all ready to go, they're all thinking. Show me who makes the best decisions then under duress in any of the contexts that they faced. It's not up for debate. It's not up for debate. Now if you want to argue that he's able to maintain that more because of those things over time, make the argument and I won't get in the way of it. I'm just trying to tell you that the that the upper bound limit unassisted is higher for him than the upper bound limit unassisted for the others. That's the point I'm trying to make. That it might be aided over the long run could be true. Could 100% be true. Early who demonstrates the highest level that that in, in a scenario where the drugs could possibly make virtually any negligible benefit it's john jones man you guys want to find all these different ways to take it from him you can't over time you could but who has the highest upper bound threshold one guy has it uh but here's the thing is he done getting in trouble is he done getting in trouble who the fuck knows right your guess is as good as mine. All right, let's b- burn down this card if we can. Um, bit of a tough night for institutions of MMA, right? Bit of a tough night for institutions of MMA because you had Chris Cyborg, an in institution, Carlos Condit, an in institution. I would say less so Chad Mendez, but Arlovsky is sort of his longstanding institution, Cadzengano, uh, an in institution, BJ Penn, an in institution, and a lot of these guys came up on the bad short end of things. Um, it was a bad night for people who had sort of long standing success, but maybe had fallen on hard times, particularly in the case of Penn and and, and Condit. Um, so, very quickly, Michael Chiesa defeating Carlos Condit via a one handed Kimura, 56 seconds of round two. This puts Carlos Condit in a bad spot. Um, it really does. It puts him, let's see, he's lost uh, since 2012, he's lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of his last 10. He's lost one, two, three, four, five in a row. Uh, of those five, he's lost all of them except two by stoppage, although albeit by submission. Um, the last TKO came against Tyron Woodley when it was the knee thing. Um, he's in a bad spot, you know. I've, I I think that the Lawler fight probably should have gone his way, and uh, it didn't, and. I think both those guys left the piece of themselves in the octagon that night. Michael Chiesa looked huge at 170. And that one-handed camora, you know what's amazing about it? If I, let me see if I can pull my camera up here so I can see. If I pull my arm out like this, right, I'm not very strong as it goes away. But where might I be strong? If I can curl it back in, right? If I can bring my hand, the further my hand is away from my hip, the weaker I am. The closer my hand is to my hip, that's where I'm strong. Think about a deadlift. When you engage the lats and you pull, you're not pulling with your biceps. You're not pulling with your elbows. Your arms are like ropes. You're pulling with your back because that's where the true force and power comes in. Um, he had, with the one hand, he had it behind Condit, away from his body. But then if you think about it, it was Condit's right arm. And he was taking it with his own left hand. What does that mean? He was taking the hand across the top of Condit's body. Right? And so he wasn't just digging out. He was digging out and then almost like, you know, like he's, like he's going behind his head, like this terrible, terrible shit. Dude, that was an unbelievable thing. I and mean, then he dropped his base down and out. Did you see that? A, a, fantastic performance. I thought, I thought Condit showed some life. He showed a guard that was nice. Um, the arm bar was close. Michael Kiesa went for the bicep grip to hold it. But in the end, Kiesa was just sort of too ready for it. And he nearly took the back off the armbar escape and then went into leg drag. Kind of got back up. But you could just tell, man, if the guy's style is like this hard-nosed, in-your-face style at like the kind that Kiesa has, that's going to be incredibly aided by jumping up a weight class when you saw that he, he looked full and dynamic and ready to move and it was just too much for, for Condit. I think he's taken a lot of abuse in his career. I think he's taken a lot of damage and, um, you know, I think there's, he has some hard questions to start, start asking himself. I'm not going to put him in the BJ Penn category, but I'm not going to put him in a category where I think it's a good idea to necessarily keep giving him UFC fights. If I can be, if I can be, um, um, candid with you. And I say as a incredible Carlos Condit fan, in fact, I one time I had a run in with Carlos Condit. It was actually really funny. We were at the um, hotel at the um, what was the event where GSP fought Jake Shields? It was in Canada, right? When they had the, that was when they had the fifty thousand people at the um, I think it's an, I forget what's name of the stadium. Rogers, the Rogers uh, something. And it was this huge event. And I remember I was at the fighter hotel, and uh, I had this space at the bar. And I turned around. And I was hanging out with Jordan Breen at the time of sure dog And uh, I turned back around, and there was this dude who like had taken like my spot in the seat and I'm like hey pal hey buddy (laughs) hey buddy you're in my way pal and then uh uh I turn he turns around and it's Carlos Condit and I'm like you know what um you can have the chair and while you're at it why don't you have my drink sir that's for you that's for you because you're a great guy he actually laughed about it he was cool but uh, I was definitely being a shithead because I didn't know it was a guy who could fucking maul you. But um, anyway, it was kind of fun. Uh, Corey Anderson defeats Ilir Latifi, 29-28, across the board, unanimous decision. Latifi had his moments, got kind of tired. Um, Corey Anderson just used what Corey Anderson's really pretty pretty good at, good footwork, volume attack, nothing really too substantial. He had a couple, uh, you know, some hard shots and, and we did a good job taking the leg kicks and then hanging in there. It was a tough win for him but uh, in some ways, but... Just sort of a very Corey Anderson way, just sort of wears you down. Volume attack, position attack, movement attack. And uh, Latifi just couldn't quite keep up. Uh, At featherweight, how about this one? Alexander Volkanovsky defeating Chad Mendes at 414 of the second round. Volkanovsky's been a guy that I think a lot of uh, analysts in the game have said, this guy could be special. I thought it was amazing, right? Because even if he missed on a punch or he got hurt, he was right back on you. Did you guys notice that he was? He didn't take his time closing the distance. He got right back on you, but not closing the distance in a way where you could just like attack him or you know launch a takedown or or, or throw a big punch, just up to the line. But the point was there was this urgency to his game, and then under duress, whether you went this way or that way, he could switch stance and then follow through on combinations through long uh, sweeping motions side to side. He got hit and hurt and withstood it. Uh, didn't let the takedown get to him. Just like the kind of performance where you're like, okay, I need to see this from you. I need to see that from you. I need to see all of this and blah, 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 blah. And then you just ch- check off everything on the box. Can he get hit and come and keep coming? Yes. Does he have good cardio? Yes. Does he have the kind of cardio that aids these decision-making skills over time? Yes. Does he have like all these different things as he have them? Like he showed everything. Answering for the challenges of a very very talented Chad Mendez, and at the same time showing that he had a couple tricks up his sleeve as well, so just good management of range, good power, good cardio, good um, tenacity, good durability. he's a top contender in that featherweight division uh, Walt Harris defeats Andre Orlovsky, split decision, terrible fight I don't I, I, don't, even, I don't say much about it. Uh, Megan Anderson defeating Kat Zingano at 101 of the first round with an eye injury. Uh, this is one of uh, her favorite things to do For if you're Megan Anderson. Opponents will fade away as she pressures in. They'll fade away across the fence, and she'll throw a head kick. As you can see, she's got those long legs. And um, she's knocked out several Invicta fighters that way. And a toe got in Zingano's eye. Now, it turns out... Uh, ooh, here we go. I will do this. Um, it turns out that the... It just was an eyelid cut, like her eye's not damaged. But, and it may have not even been the toenail, but this is, for example, why people have to trim their toenails and fingernails before they get into the cage. Because while it may have been the toe, you can see how a long-ass toenail might have made things catastrophically worse. So we didn't get to that. Um, but, uh, you know, not Megan Anderson's fault. She, she played by the rules, and sometimes the rules just go that way. By the way, this is from Chamat Karsandu, my buddy over at ESPN, says Dana White wants BJ Penn to retire. Yeah, no shit, man. He also feels as though Daniel Cormier has two to three more fights left in him after speaking to him recently. The new UFC championship belts where we're supposed to be in Ville tonight will now debut at the UFC on ESPN1 uh, in Brooklyn. Which, by the way, uh, assuming I get my credentials, one never knows anymore. But assuming that, that I do, uh, I will be there. I will be there for that. So there you go. That's where the belt thing didn't come into play. Uh, Peter Yan defeating Douglas Silva de Andrade, his corner stopped it for him. I take my hat off to the corner. You hear corners make this argument all the time. Oh, we know our fighter best. Well, if you know your fighter best, then don't you know when they're getting fucked up and they are not in the ability to really fight back anymore? You can't have it both ways. You can't claim you know someone best and then also be like, I didn't realize that's what it looks like when he's getting his ass kicked. Like, you actually should know that. And uh, Douglas de Silva Dondraja was getting tuned up on the feet and not much better on the ground. He was getting beat up really bad, particularly towards the end of that second. And his corner called it a day. It's absolutely the right call, saving the damage. He'll come back out there. He's still a very talented, competitive Bansomweight. It's the best place to be. And I just can't stand these arguments about corners. And, I, had, you know, Nick Limbo and I were going back and forth. He's on the um, executive, I think, council for the New Jersey, at New Jersey State Athletic Control Board. He was like, well, the real job is belongs to the referees, not the corners. And I'm like, Nick, in a world in which we can reasonably rely upon referees to save fighters, they do it more so in boxing, but not in MMA, then yes, you have a point. But that is not the world in which we live. We have to put pressure on both the, yes, the referees, as well as the corners, to be a little bit more proactive. And the point being is this. His argument was, well, the, 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 the bylaws say that it's the um, referee's job and you know, that the corner's a last resort. I understand that's what the bylaws say, but corners aren't failing to stop because they go, well, look at the bylaws. The bylaws say that we don't have to get involved. No, what they say is the same thing that the referees say, which is, I don't see what the problem is. Rather than both acknowledging, yo, you're letting guys take these savage beatings for no good reason. The issue is a, a, a intellectual one that is infected either side of it. So you putting pressure on one versus the other, I get might be more in keeping with what the regulatory parameters are, but. It's still the same problem infecting everybody, and the corners actually might be in a more a, of a unique position to be influenced by the argument than the referees anyway. In any event that they stopped it, I thought it was the right call. How about my boy Ryan Hall, right? I'm quite biased about this. I've known Ryan Hall for a long time. Defeats BJ Penn, 246 of the first round. As a, BJ Penn needs to retire. I've been saying this since this fight was announced, and I... Um, I just didn't want to even want to do media with BJ, to be quite honest with you, because it, it honestly pains me. BJ was my favorite fighter when I was a fan. I just, I just, When he was at his peak, you just can't imagine how good he was, and look, the sun sets on all of us. The sun will set on my career, the sun will set on yours, uh, and at, at least in terms of being a fighter, it has set on his, and um, there's no shame in losing to Ryan Hall, that's not the point, but... BJ Penn hasn't won a fight since 2010. 2010 is the last fight that he uh, won it was the second Matt or like the third Matt Hughes fight, the third Matt Hughes fight. Well, Matt Hughes was probably towards the end of his career as well. And um, you know Ryan Hall has an incredible MRE role and then went right into the heel hook but BJ Penn I don't know if he just didn't know what he was doing, which I have a hard time believing, given how good he was at jiu jitsu. I think what was the problem was he didn't realize that his actual heel was in jeopardy and he thought Ryan was attacking the other one. But go back and watch. BJ actually rolled, and I tweeted this in real time BJ rolls into the heel hook. Like Ryan's going this way to this way, and BJ rolled into it. Well, think about it. If you roll that way and pain equals this way, You're only making it worse, and apparently Ryan Hall said that uh, he could hear BJ's knee pop like it was going out of style, so that sucks. Uh, Nathaniel Wood defeated Andre Ewell. Great win by Nathaniel uh, Wood. Just was all over Ewell, uh, winning at 4-12 of the third round. I called it will and skill, just aggressive, right? All over him. And then more than that, uh, just showing great technical mastery. How about Uriah Hall defeating Bevan Lewis? at 132 of the second round. And I made this point before, and I'll say it again. I thought Lewis, excuse me, I thought Hall, Ryan, uh, not Ryan Hall, but Uriah Hall, people have been like, they clown him, like, oh, here's the next Anderson Silva. It's like, look, did, did, did he pan out exactly as he was portrayed? Maybe on the ultimate fighter? No, probably not. He's had some ups and he's had some downs. But you can see that when he, he, he has veteran experience at this point, veteran savvy, letting the fight go this late and then waiting for his moment. And he took a beating early in those first two rounds. Bevan Lewis was all over him, which was a smart call too. But my point is, when he's dialed in and patient and making the right reads and calls, he can flatline anybody in that division, and he did certainly on this night. Anyway, um, I'm not telling you he's the best fighter at middleweight. It's not what I'm saying, but I, I get a little bit bothered when folks are like, "Well, I guess uh, you know things finally went right for him." It's like, yeah, you know, he he gets inside his own head a little bit, but he's a very talented fighter, and and it was nice to see him show the kind of poise and patience that you need from a, a top-level UFC athlete. Curtis Melender defeating C.R. Bahadur-Rosada, two 29-28s and one 27 Takedowns almost cost him, but he found a way to at least get up in the third and reverse it on top in the final third. And it was weird, man. There was hardly any footwork. Those guys were right in front of each other, right? Just sort of throwing in different combinations. And when Melender is pushing back, he's really good. When Bahadur-Rosada had the ability to like disrupt the stationary position, and decision-making, Melender, he had some success. But in the end, it was Melender. And then Montel Jackson just crushes Brian Kelleher at 140 with a Darce choke. Um, had a good range. They had opposite stances. He closed. Got clipped with an elbow, I believe. Dropped. And then um, just finished him off. And then got the Darce choke rolled to the same side, choked to the sky. And that was all she wrote. Nice win. Uh, okay, if you have any questions... Please let me know. Uh, here are your bonuses. Fight of the night, Mendez versus Volkanovski. It's good. Performance of the night, Ryan Hall and Amanda Nunes. Look at that. Ryan Hall and Amanda Nunes getting an extra 50 grand. So good for them. Somehow they didn't give it to John Jones. That's kind of funny. The only thing I mean by that is um, usually the, the, the main card guys get it. Uh, okay, let's see. All right. Let's go to the questions, shall we? Into the super chat. Uh, someone says, Torinobol is, oh, this is an old one, is most effective during weight cuts for retaining strength during a cut. He only pops during said times, also was hardly tested previously. Sure. Again, I'm not here to talk you out of it, y'all. I don't, I mean, I'm not going to make the point that like he's got some awesome history with this shit. And again, here's something else you have to consider. Like, are we done with this? I don't think we're done with this at all. If not by him, certainly not by other athletes who... God only knows what the fuck these people are taking. Um, Do I think this is the last of the troubles of John Jones? I I certainly hope. I don't wish any ill will. But part of me just feels like that's a little naive. Someone says, take care of the shoulder, guy. You know what the problem is with my shoulder? Um, Let's see if you can hear it. I doubt you can hear it. I had this one surgically repaired. My labrum was torn to the point where my shoulder um, fell out of its socket in my sleep. See, can you hear it? No, you can't. This one is... Um, ugh, fuck. Um, my bicep tendon is, doesn't sit in the groove properly. And so even if I'm benching like this, I can feel the pain in my bicep tendon. So if I stretch it out, If I, like, take the foam roller and I stretch my, like, thoracic spine out and, uh, you know, if I do um, external rotations, it's better, but then it just goes back to being painful. So it's fucked up. I've had bad mechanics for a long time, and I am now living with it. I was pretty emotional watching Nunez. I had people texting me about that. Yeah, I don't have any new ones, but, yeah, I had had people texting me about that as well. Um, How good, this is from Osmond LP, how good is Shevchenko who beat Nunez? Um, as I mentioned before, I think super good. I think like ridiculously good. I think amazingly good. Uh it just she's in this sort of like size position where getting ahead is gonna be real difficult. But like who gave the goat her toughest fights? Okay, the losses I guess would be the toughest fights. But since she really sort of ascended to this current range she's in, Shevchenko by far. Someone says, Nunez outshine Jones tonight. Hope she gets her due. Can't argue with that. Joyce says, thanks for all you do. Thank you, Joyce. I appreciate that. Did Nunez launch herself into superstardom tonight? We won't know tonight. We won't know until, you know, here's how you know. Let's see what kind of media tour she goes on. Now, she's done other good media tours, but let's see. Does she go to, like, New York? Does she do the Breakfast Club? And you could say, well, what MMA Fires did the Breakfast Club? Yo, Michael Bisping did the Breakfast Club. And that's not. I'm not saying like he's some small fry. I'm saying if Michael Bispin can do it, can the greatest women's fighter ever do it? You would think you know certainly be up there. Um, let's see what well, let's see what she does. Let's see what TV show she gets on. Let's just see what kind of response the media has to her after. Not like tonight because um, you what you really really hope someone says. Let's hope Jones doesn't get flagged this time and then invalidate the results all over again. What a nightmare that would be, right? Where's the belt they teased, brah? We already answered that. Scott says, Love your work. Hi from New Zealand. What's up, New Zealand? Um, is there anyone besides DC who can challenge John Jones at light heavyweight? No. No. no like, matter of factly, no. Again, MMA is crazy, and you can lose to anybody on any, any given night. That's not the point, but no. Like, really, who matches up with him in terms of skills or abilities? Nobody. Um, so it says, Look, appreciate all. So this, apparently, this dude left $100, which is insane from corrupted says appreciate all the content you put out Luke keep up the great work and happy New Year well if that's a real thing thank you so much I really appreciate that is John the goat to you um no I would say GSP is still the goat to me for me it's GSP for some of them, it might be Anderson for some of them, it might be DJ for others maybe it is John but John's got some work to do for me for him to be the goat especially given all these situations that he's currently involved in here's some Canadian pesos Travis says well thank you for the Canadian pesos Travis Jones' left foot toes were taped. What say you? Um, i have to go back and look. Were the two toes taped together? Because you'll see that if somebody has turf toe. But was it just the big toe that was taped? I'd, I'd have to go back and look. I, I, can't, I can't comment on it. Someone says, yes, Jones is great and a cheat, Kilgore says. Thoughts on minds being goat female fighter. Fair enough. Stylebender versus Jones. Um, the, the size differential, and I think the takedown ability of Jones is probably overwhelming. Someone says, enough on John Jones, please. All right. Um, in terms of the MMA Hour, what has more views, the pod or the YouTube? I have no idea. I don't pay attention to the podcast numbers at all. Um, someone says, uh, Scott Zinda says, Jeff Nowitzki on Rogan didn't really clear up the Frank Mir question. Agreed. Do you have any more clarity on the difference between John Jones and Frank Mir? I don't, because I went back and I looked at the Frank Mir situation, and apparently he popped for the same, three M, the, the same M3 metabolite. And as I understand it, six weeks prior to that, he had tested clean. So how did his thing happen? Um, I'd like to know the answer to that. I, didn't, I don't think we got a good answer on the Frank Mir situation at all. Someone says uh, UFC should lean into the Nunez LGBTQ community. Sure. Jordan says, thanks for all the content. Thank you, Jordan. Henry says, true or false? John Jones becomes heavyweight champion next year. Nunez knocks out cyborg again in the rematch. Max Holloway fights Habib next year. All right, first one. Does John Jones become heavyweight champ next year? I'm going to say true. Nunez knocks out cyborg again in the rematch. I'll say false. And then Max Holloway fights Habib next year. Ooh, I'll say false. There's a lot of exciting contenders at 145, man. Just what your thoughts on a Zabit Megamed Sherpa versus Max Holloway fight? Forget that one. How about a Zabit Megamed Sherpa versus a Volkanovski fight? That's the one I want to see from Jesus Christ. You got some top contenders now at 145 that need some figuring out. How much better does Ronda Rousey look now in hindsight? She looked pretty good before in terms of her ability. um, But, you know, there was clear limits to it as well. Is Carlos Condit cooked? I don't really like that kind of language when you're talking about somebody who who gave them a part of themselves to the game. But I I certainly think that he has, as I mentioned, some pretty tough questions to start asking himself. It's a shame we'll never know where the greatness ends and the cheating begins with John. That's probably fair. John Jones, a Hall of Famer for sure, and maybe goat, but where does he end and drugs begin with? And this is why we are in a position where it is impossible, it is impossible to, I I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. I think for people who really hate him, they're going to say the drugs are everything. And the people who love him, they're going to say it's accidental or poor evidence or something. And the rest of us are going to live in this middle space to varying degrees. Uh, As I mentioned before, I, I can't, I don't know what to say about arguments related to how he might perform over the long term. The only arguments I can make are just looking at natural ability and then making a decision from there. And that's it. I don't make any other claims. That's the only claim I make because it's the only one I can sort of really, I can argue strongly for. Um, Everything else is highly interpretive. Condit, Penn, Arlovsky, all may have had their last fits in the UFC in 232. Yeah, man. Uh, Clean and focused John Jones makes it look too easy, this person writes. All right. William says he likes my commentating. Thank you, William. BJ Penn versus Mike Jackson. I'm going to finish that one. Uh, Dale says, is DC a hypocrite for pursuing a fight with a known PED taker, Brock Lesnar, or refusing to accept the John Jones as the GOAT? Well... Cormier will be on the MMA Hour on Monday, so I will ask him. Uh, and then, does John Jones DC3 happen at light heavyweight or heavyweight? I think it happens at light heavyweight. I'd like to see it happen in heavyweight, though. Yeah. Yes, indeed, Lee. Anything else, y'all? I'm going about an hour, about how we normally go. No, I think that's good. All right. Well, look, as I mentioned before, let's do this. If you get in the question here, I'll take a look at it. You can get in on my Instagram. I'm trying to blow that up. I, I don't post pictures of girls in thongs, but you might find something of value there. Um, I'll take one last look here at the uh, super chat. And uh, yeah, if you want to get at me, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. I mentioned I would mention some things. Um, this year, let me take something. So when this year started out, I set two different goals on this YouTube channel. One was for subscribers, and one was for the amount of money I could generate. So I have good news and I have bad news. Let's start with the good news. The good news is with the amount of money I could generate, I went well past my goal. Like I blew it away months ago. So I was very happy with that. In terms of subscribers, I fell a little bit short. But, number one, I set a high bar. And number two, as you guys know, uh, when they offered the MMA Hour gig, I just kind of took the channel off for a while. And uh, I didn't put into it. Uh... In any event, so I I just want to say, and I'm, I don't want to make too many bold claims about the channel, but if I can keep up the progress in 2019, it will free me up to do more and more and more kind of stuff. Now, maybe not so much late night sessions like this, just given what my uh, schedule will allow me, but at the same time, um, let's see here. At the same time, um, I feel very happy with how things turned out in 2018. It surprised me given that I took so much time off to do other stuff. Uh, if you listen to the Luke Thomas show on SiriusXM, thank you. If not, there's a description uh, there's a link in the description box below where you can do it free for 30 days. If you watch the MMA Hour, thank you. I, I have Trust me, man. There is nothing that causes me more consternation than trying to figure out how to make that better and better like we've come a long way but i'm just trying to make it super unique and not like anything else and that's not so easy to do but we feel like we've made some progress with it i'm very proud of the monday morning analyst that i put out on monday again i encourage you to watch it because i really feel like i finally got a handle on john i was watching today i was like holy shit everything is lining up with what we saw last time um but uh really i just have to say thank you man this youtube channel has been a revelation for me it has been fun for me it has been a gateway to other opportunities, and honestly, of all the things that I do, coming on here and getting to say what I want as long as I want under my terms, it's one of my favorite things I get to do in any of my jobs. I love it, I really love it, and I owe everything to you. Thank you, thank you so much. It is so fun, and it's so rewarding, and I'm so grateful, and don't think for a second, I might be acerbic and grumpy, but don't think for a second I don't realize how absurdly lucky I am. Thank you to you. That is who I owe this to. I owe it. I owe everything to you, and I mean that sincerely. Last two questions: um, Is the hardest challenge for Jones at light heavyweight Yoel Romero if he chooses to move up now? I'd say I still say Cormier, but maybe, maybe Romero might be interesting. And then someone says, "We love all your content, Luke, and always hear from more." Does that XM link work for Canada? Yes, it does. Works for anything in North America. And by the way, I don't want to give anything away, but a lot of you are like, what if you don't live in North America? Stay tuned. There's a development coming, and I think you're going to love it. I know you're going to love it. So the Luke Thomas show is a thing I do more than anything else, and I'm really, really proud of that. And I know a lot of folks don't get to hear it because it's behind a paywall, but wait until you do. You're going to love it. Um, Anything else? Yeah, I have one more big life announcement coming next month. So... Stick around for that. Any questions? LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. Like the video. Subscribe. Shoot me an email. Check out the Beta Academy. Check out my store. Thank you so much. I hope your 2018 was great. If not, here's to a better 2019. Salute to you, ladies and gentlemen, with my horrible ass beaming uh, Coke Zero. I love you guys. Thank you so much. If you're going to party on New Year's Eve, don't drink and drive. Just get an Uber, get a lift, and get home safe. And go fucking kick ass next year. Yeah? Until then. Someone says early stoppage in the cyborg fight. You're funny. Uh, I'll see you guys next year. Uh, get some sleep.